Welcome to the Podcast Connector. Each week, we'll bring you behind-the-scenes tips on all things entrepreneurship, spreading your message, and the podcasting space. Plus, we will connect you with some amazing people in health, spirituality, entrepreneurship, and personal development. Let's dive in. So today on the Podcast Connector, we have Sam Pantazopoulos. Wow, that is a mouthful. We like to just call her Sam Pants for short. <laughs> she is the CEO and founder of Visor, which is a do better app. So basically the app you work out to donate meals. We'll have Sam dive into it more, but you either hit 10,000 steps or do a 30 minute workout or check into one of their partnering studios. And then once you complete the workout, you then get to donate an app to the food bank in San Diego, it's San Diego food bank. And then in other cities, they have other connections um, with local and global ones. So it is a way for you to give back to the community through working out. Uh, we are so excited to have Sam on today. She has an amazing founder story with this of how this app was created. And living in the app world is way different than building any other company because it is a tech company, but also one that does better for people as well. So welcome to the Podcast Connector, Sam. Thank you. Excited to be here. <laughs> We're excited to have you and ask you all the scary questions. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> Let's just kick it off so our community can get to know you a little bit more. Can you share about, from your perspective, what Visor is and why you built it? Yeah, for sure. Um, And your description was great, but it's Visor. The whole goal is to help people develop healthier habits. How it started is I really struggled with healthy habits myself. I didn't know how to work out, didn't feel comfortable in that space, didn't really view myself as an athlete. And at the same time, I was in a social venture incubator in college and looking for ways that we could solve social problems using business. The idea for the app came about where every day you worked out, you would have the opportunity to tangibly give back. So as you described, we give our users an activity challenge each day. Every day they reach their goal, they have the opportunity to donate a meal paid for by a brand through our network. Um, And then doing so, you earn personal rewards for yourself. So every day you work out and give back, you earn points and you can use them for free items in the marketplace. So appetizers, just like fun, healthy treats. I think you guys have both redeemed cookies. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love getting my pastry or coffee from Parakeet Cafe. Yeah. <laughs> Parakeet is, is the one. Yeah. <laughs> they're a significant part of our redemption since San yeah. Diego. <laughs> they're, they're good. So, okay. And how old were you when you came up with this idea? And then when you started implementing? So this was 2015. So I would have been 20 at the time. Wow. Um, 20 years old in school studying abroad. I was on a cruise ship with semester at sea, came back and I was really intent on graduating. So kind of put it to the side, was actually applying for other jobs during my senior year. And then I was in jobs. So a couple tech companies, I was just kind of all over the place. Venture for America was a program I looked at. It's kind of like Teach for America, but for startups um, where you could go work with a startup in a non-traditional startup community um, and just kind of help grow that ecosystem. So I was actually in an interview for that program and I was asked, I was talking about Visor and this project that I had done. And I was asked why I wasn't doing that full time because it sounded like I really enjoyed it. As I sat there, I was like, well, I do really enjoy it. Maybe I should do that full time. I also didn't get the spot with Venture for America. So (laughs) there's that. But no, I I graduated. And then right after a few months later, moved back to San Diego full time. So I was 21 at that point. And my cousin Dylan moved down and we started on it together. When did the idea come about? So you were on this trip at Semester at Sea. You came up with this concept, presented on it. When did you decide? I want to actually make this a real company. And what was that first step in that direction? So I had decided before, you know, everybody asks you when you're graduating college, like, what's your job? What are you going to do next? And I had decided before I graduated that Visor was going to be my path. 
how I was going to do it was a little up in the air because I didn't have any money, which obviously becomes useful. <laughs> and I you know, had never done anything like this before, but I, I knew that was the direction. So I decided, okay, I'll go home for several months. I'll work for my dad, um, who's had a, a carpet cleaning, now restoration company for a few months and try to save up as much money as I can. And then I'll move back. And I had gotten kind of comfortable in that pattern of, okay, like at some point I'm going to move to San Diego and do this. Right now, you know, I'm working at my dad's office and I would drive in every day. I was actually listening to the How I Built This podcast. Sarah Blakely episode comes on. She's kind of describing her story. You know, $5,000 just gets started on it and figures it out as she goes. And I was like, well, I have $5,000. Like I can do that. So I actually boarded a plane shortly after to go to the Women's Venture Summit at USD. Got a free ticket to that too. And that was, I think, the catalyst because I met a lot of people there and people I still work with today, but really sparked meeting with people in San Diego and kind of growing that ecosystem. How'd you come up with a name? It's short for incentivize. Mm. <laughs> <Yes>. Incentivizer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sounds a little too intense. <laughs> and it was a struggle coming up with a name because names are taken. And, yeah. You know, do they, could you really build everything that you want to? around the brand is a big question, but we knew we wanted it to be two syllables. We wanted it to be active. We wanted it to be unique. Pfizer, I thought, fit all three. Yeah. So building a tech company and building an app is not cheap. (laughs) You have engineer, like it's not, you can't be as scrappy with it as you can with other startups where you can kind of just make it work because there's so much labor that goes into building the back end. So built, you know, you created Pfizer, Dylan, your cousin came on to join you as a co-founder. I want to hear a little bit more about your dollar a day food budget because in the beginning you guys were making it work. So (laughs) what were the most things that you did in the beginning because you had like any capital you had to put towards Pfizer. So what were you guys doing as entrepreneurs on the back end to give your best every single day, but also with a budget? Yeah, I think it's it's two parts. So, you know, come out of school. I have my $5,000. Great, but not much more than that. And you can't build an app on that we later learned and I went in I remember I went into a dev shop and I had put together this um, walkthrough of what I wanted the app experience to be showed it to them and they quoted me a hundred thousand dollars for the first build and that just wasn't going to happen obviously so we were like okay we need to figure out how to make this work they did point me in the direction of sketch and envision which would allow us to build our own prototype I did have a design background so those kind of self-building prototype tools Mm -hmm. so we could design the screens that eventually became the app design that you use today but at that point it was just like a photo and you put it in this tool and you're able to simulate the app so we were able to actually go to people and say hey this is what it's going to look like you know would you be interested in joining the platform or you know would you come on a sponsor and really build out how the model is going to work prior to having the tool built so you sold a sold proof of concept first exactly um so then it was like okay this is going to take some time how are we going to get by in the interim so dylan and i actually moved into this house which is now our office and still my house and we had no furniture you know didn't have a lot of money and we were putting everything that we had into that we wanted to build out this first version by the end of the year and that's where the food situation came from where we would just go to meetings that had free food or we would just kind of take what assets were available to us and make them last as long as possible. So I had been on a plant-based diet already for years. Dylan took on a plant-based diet, which was very new for him. (laughs) You know, you make it work because you love what you're doing and you believe that in doing so, you'll get to where you want to go. I didn't know you were on a dollar a day. <laughs> yeah, for what o- you, what over you, 10 months. What did you buy? Um, so we would shop at Grocery Outlet, which is this awesome store here in San Diego. They have, I think they're all over Southern California. It's like a Costco, 
where it's oversold or I guess overpurchased from other grocers. And then it's like brought to this store and you can buy like individual units. So we would already kind of get the food at a discounted retail price there. Mm -hmm. It's actually not that challenging if you're looking at like your base staple ingredients. So rice, lentils, frozen vegetables, oats, like things that are, it was actually a very nutritious diet. But you can, if you're thoughtful about your meal planning, make it last. There we go. All right. (laughs) How to build a business off a dollar a day. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that a place where a lot of people go wrong is hiring out of order. And so I'm curious, what was your approach in, you know, you want to build this app. There's you and Dylan. What was your approach with where to build the team and what to focus on first? I think with bringing on new team members, something I've learned is complementary skills is really important. Dylan and I are very similar. Same family, obviously. Same friends. We like to do the same things. So when the two of us were doing it and there was something we didn't want to do, usually like numbers-based or just something less creative, we would both not want to do it. And then when you're doing work that you don't want to do, it just takes way longer. So Nick, who was our first hire, he was my best friend growing up. We would do all these businesses when we were younger. He's very analytical. And he came from the sales operations side of things. He loves doing the stuff that we hate. So him being able to come in and balance the team super important so I would say complementary skills are what we look for and then also who is bringing a new perspective to the table advisor started as an idea on a study abroad program in 2015 but what it's become is like the compilation of you know at least 30 people who have worked on it in that time period and added their ideas and made it stronger so who's bringing a perspective that we don't yet have I think is a big consideration for who we bring on speaking of employees you do have a lot of friends and family on staff which historically if you ask any type of advisor or mentor tour, they will say, do not hire family and friends, but it's worked out really well for you guys. Why have you, do you feel like you've seen success with it with Advisor? I think it all comes back to this shared passion that everybody has for what we're building, where it kind of attracted in people that just loved the concept and loved the opportunity that it presented, where there are people who valued health and wellness for themselves. It was something they wanted to see built in the community. So the fact that we're, we're able to hang out outside of work is great, but the fact that we love what we do is first foremost. I think if they if we didn't have that shared passion for the actual work, then it would be very challenging to work with your friends and family in that capacity. So I've seen it not do well elsewhere, but I think when people love what they do, it's pretty easy to work together. Well, I think also your personality is if someone's family and they're not doing a good job, you will still fire them. <laughs> We, we do have a very clear <laughs> communication style I think, across the board where, yeah, I think that's super important. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I was doing something that wasn't serving the company, mm-hmm. you know, Dylan has a responsibility to everybody to talk to me about it and like us fix that. And I think it's the same for everyone where yeah. the sum is greater than its parts. And it's like, how do we work together to build that? Okay. So this is a text that Sam sent me about her expectations, expectations for all team members. One dreamer and doer must both make the strategy and execute it because the vision is big. No task to get there is too small. Two, abundance mindset, seeing opportunities, not obstacles. Three, outcome oriented. Flexibility requires that goals be met. And I think this is, this is so great because I think you're very clear in what is required of everybody. And something that we've talked about before is the difference between, you know, working for a startup or like earlier in a business versus a larger company where there are teams of like a ton of people to do all of the execution. And I know something that I've run into and we've talked about is like when, when people sign up to work with a startup, right? It's like you, you have to be willing to get in the weeds and not everybody's going to be high level. And so how have you managed expectations with, with your employees around that? 
that? I think a lot of it just comes back to that concept of we're building something together and everything's important. Where I think we have this perception or we've been taught this perception that you know these are our high level responsibilities and these are low level responsibilities. And people have come to believe that they want the high level responsibilities. Obviously, everybody wants flexibility. Everybody wants autonomy. Everybody wants to be trusted in the work that they do. But the, the tasks that need to be done to get there, in my opinion, are all equal. Where if you're dropping the ball on you know something that is perceived as low level, but it's significant to like the community we're serving or to the user, that's a high level task. Mm-hmm. So I think the fact that I'm the first person to say, I'll jump in and do that if it needs to be done has become the culture of the organization where if something needs to be done, anybody's happy to go in and do it because they understand how it fits into the greater narrative. So I think communication is key, not just coming in and saying, hey, can you do this? But hey, you know, would you be open to doing this? This is why it's important. And this is why I'm asking you to do it. Is that something that you're open to? I think like giving people the information as to why something's important mm-hmm. kind of helps with high level or low level concepts. And then also beyond that, there's just so much work to be done and not a lot of people that I think coming into a startup people understand I'm going to be wearing multiple hats and that's honestly the beauty of it because you get to learn every part of the organization you you could be a salesperson or a partnerships person but you've learned the entire product ecosystem and if you were in a later stage company you would never have the opportunity to influence like how does the product evolve are my opinions being recognized over there so I think there's drawbacks in terms of more work but benefits in terms of more opportunity yeah you get to see the the whole process Mm -hmm. and for you with building an app what have been some of the more surprising parts of that process like was there anything that really felt like oh shit I didn't know this was gonna happen or that really was a challenge everything takes so much longer than you think it will Mm. I think that was first and foremost I had been building websites for a long time and I was used to you know kind of a graphical user interface you go in you change your text you change your photos make it look pretty publish done and that was my understanding of tech prior to launching advisor and you just learn like that's not how things work (laughs) it has to be such a sophisticated interface to let you even do that so I feel like constantly I'll be talking to people out in the community like hey have you or have you thought about adding this to the app and I love the excitement and I love the ideas and I want to hear all of them but so many things we've wanted to build are just like a time game and they're coming but I think patience has become key where everything takes longer but I think simplicity is also yeah is also good and that's where product becomes really important like does it align with the the long-term vision of the product if it does then it should seem simple it's like a very elegant solution but it's simply delivered so let's dive into that because what i think is really cool about visor app is not only consumers get to develop healthy habits so by working out you also get to donate a meal and a brand donates on your behalf so you're not physically paying for it so on the consumer side it's this amazing feel-good app that's also helping individual lives but on the brand side of things i want to talk about this because we do have a lot of people that own brand or starting brands that are listening to this podcast. So explain the benefits of a brand being on Visor. I think this is so cool as Facebook and Instagram ads are getting very saturated, very expensive. Um, We're able to see less data with consumers. And so a lot of brands are having to find new and creative ways for customer acquisition, brand alignment, brand activations, things like that. So can you explain what it's like for a brand to be on Visor and the benefits of it? Yeah, definitely. And the whole concept of Visor is it's kind of like a potluck where if everybody brings something to the table, then you have this like 
whole feast. So you have all these different players. You obviously have the people who are working out. You have the organizations who we serve and then the people who they serve. You have the brands that are involved and a variety of brands because you have people who can sponsor donations. You have studios who can participate as locations where you can earn. You have restaurants who can participate by offering rewards um, or other like experience-based retail providers. And then we have this whole corporate ecosystem as well. And if you're looking specifically at that brand category or like these organizations that come in, it's all about, I think to your point, alignment with consumers. So we've built this ecosystem or environment where when you come into it, my hope and my expectation is that every brand that you see is a brand that shares your values. Otherwise they wouldn't be on the platform. And if they're sponsoring a meal on your behalf, it's a way for them to demonstrate that they do value your health and they do value community. And all of the brands that you'll see are health-based brands. So they went into business because they wanted to help people get healthier. And this is just another avenue for them to do it. So we really try to highlight all of the brands in the platform. We'll do content shoots with them or we'll do kind of like write-ups and and message it out to our user base because I think the one-to-one relationships and especially discovery, like I love this brand and all of these people may have never heard of them. Hmm. Let me introduce you to them through the platform. Same with the restaurant, same with the studio. So it's kind of like facilitating relationships between aligned brands and, and consumers was always the hope. And then in doing so, being able to drive significant impact on the back end. So do you focus on approaching brands that you personally love or how does that work? Definitely. Um, yeah, definitely guided by, by brands that I feel an affinity to or somebody on the team recommends. We all kind of share that same mentality, I think. Also, we'll have people that use the app recommend brands. So users can nominate restaurants in their area or studios they think would be a good fit for it. But I remember the first pitch deck that I made in 2015 in that competition, there was a screenshot of a phone and it had SoulCycle and True Food Kitchen because I remember taking a SoulCycle workout, you know, back when I really struggled with working out still. But I just love that they told people like, if you're here, you're an athlete. Like you didn't have to be good to feel like you were part of that community. And then just True Food Kitchen, amazing. Everybody knows. Delicious. Um, And they came on as, you know, two of our first national partners, Mm. like five years later. So it's probably the most exciting that we can just call up our favorite brands and say, hey, like we see this avenue to work together. Is that something that you're interested in? And and usually we're able to do something. Mm -hmm. I wonder, have studios, well, I don't even know if you know this, but like, I feel like it would also incentivize people to use studios. I think about me, like I don't like to go to studios usually, but the fact that, okay, I could do my 10K steps or go here and more likely to, to try it out because I see it on the app too. So I wonder if like does that benefit them and getting more people to come in definitely and that's the whole goal again Mm -hmm. so if you're scrolling through the studio marketplace and you see a studio in your community who is a part of the platform and you're a user of the platform then you're more likely to visit that studio and then just kind of nurturing the community in that studio so how much impact are they able to drive as a location if they're a member of a larger franchise or corporate chain how much impact are they able to drive as an organization so there are a lot of layers i think you can you can build it up to the aggregate or you could take it down mm-hmm. to its nuclear level with an individual location but for sure i think it's an engagement I opportunity think, for studios I think it's incredible marketing for studios for brands and then for restaurants so actually within the app so every time you donate a meal on a daily basis you get a point and then you can go into their reward section and there's a bunch of different restaurants and wellness places because you guys have a place where you can get a free b12 shot too so you can literally scroll through and it's like free drink here free cup of coffee here free pastry free appetizer and 
And so it's such good marketing for those restaurants too, because they are all healthy restaurants and you could use your reward points from working out, from also donating a meal, <laughs> the food bank, and then getting to redeem your awards. And because so much of it is just a lifestyle, right? Like if you want to develop a habit of exercising, what does that look like for you? It's going to look different for everyone. Are you walking on your own? Are you going into a studio? You know, how are you tracking that activity? When you are thinking about your grocery decisions, what brands are you choosing and why? When you do go out to eat with your friends, what restaurants do you choose and why? And how all of these things kind of filter in to a healthy lifestyle in a way that's not so transactional. Mm -hmm. Oh, I worked out today. Oh, I, you know, chose the healthy option on the menu. Just becomes this more symbiotic, natural expression of, oh, I'm doing things I enjoy with people I enjoy. And it's fulfilling and I'm also living a healthy life. Well, and I feel like it's this positive association of like, you start to associate movement with giving back and like doing something good rather than like, you know, punishment or needing to like, you know what I mean? I just feel like it's, it's exciting. A, yeah. Like you work out and you're like, yes, I get to work out and then yeah. donate my, donate my meal. Yeah, totally. And that, that was a big driver. I think the concept of exercise is punishment yeah. of the app. Because when I first saw the concept, I was in a season of my life where like food was almost like risky in my mind and exercise was a punishment for like not eating as healthfully as I should have. So you just have this like completely broken, unhealthy relationship between food and exercise. And what the app tries to demonstrate is they're entirely interrelated. Where if somebody doesn't have sufficient access to healthy food, they can never develop an exercise habit. So it's actually foundational. And then you can see how clearly these work together as like your building blocks of health and everything else comes on top. Economic opportunity, your ability to focus in school, the quality of your relationships. If you don't have these two as your base, it becomes very difficult to build that pyramid. Mm -hmm. Kind of your traditional like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So I, I want to talk about, because I feel like this ties into like your marketing strategy. I feel like you're this Blair Waldorf marketing scheme schemer. Uh, <laughs> so I'd like to get inside your brain a bit. What was your overall strategy, like big picture, like marketing visor? I know you have a master plan. <laughs> I love brands. I'm a big brand person. Sam views herself as a brand. <laughs> She is a brand. She's not a person. She's a brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know about that. But <laughs> Visor is a brand. I I almost wanted it to be this entity that you would look at and have this like emotional connection to. And I think all brands have that. But I mean, the logo. I'm looking at a giant logo on the wall right now. But the logo, the color choice, the name, all of it was intentional with the idea of having this like very approachable, friendly, community-oriented brand where it's, it. we always say in the office, like collaborate over competition. How do we work together with people to make this possible? You know, it's not, hey, let's focus on X when Y could be included. We really want to democratize access and have everybody involved. So in terms of the master plan, I think really looking at, okay, how do we bring all of these different entities to the same table? How do we make it really accessible so people who want to participate have the ability to really drop down any obstacles or barriers? And then I think in doing so, when something's exciting and it's available and people can access it, it builds this emotional connection that's stronger than you're just seeing like a logo or a name. So we're very, very focused on like the emotions of our brand. And is it aligned with what we're trying to put out in the world and how we're trying to make the world better? Or is it not? And more often, it usually is. <laughs> and that ends up building, I think, a brand identity in a way that's not as tangible. So when you say like, what's the plan? It's really just let's continue putting our energy mm -hmm. into building that feeling and then it will materialize. So what are the things that you're doing to build that feeling? We do a lot of stuff internally, mm -hmm. I think, to really nurture it. And then that kind of spills out. So whether it's a team meeting, at the beginning of our team meetings, we do something called word and number, which Erica, who, um, you know, used to work for us back in the day, it was actually her idea. And every time at the beginning, 
beginning of the meeting, people will say what their word is for the day, which is how they're feeling. Can't be something like tired or hungry, nothing physical, but you know, emotionally, how are they feeling? And then what's their number on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest. And that's how we kick off every Monday meeting. Is the number like how they're feeling that day? Like on a scale of one to 10, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cause what you find is, you know, if say you and I have an exchange at work and I feel like you were a little abrupt and I'm like, okay, something's going on. I'm going to start coming up with all these ideas in my head of what that could be. But if I know already that your word is lethargic and you're a four, I'm literally obsessed with this. Then I love, no, I love this so much because I think it is really good to touch base with your team and co-founder as, on a daily basis to figure out where you're at. But you also don't want to dive into an hour long conversation, right? So it's like, how are you doing today? It's like, I've been dealing with this and this. And then it spirals off. And then you're trying to give advice. And then all it's of a the sudden, I don't answer their phone call. <laughs> <laughs> as we were just yeah. talking about. And then you're two hours into the day and yeah. you fed into that energy because really the purpose behind it is, is just finding where the other person's at. So then you're not taking something personally that that day or are they are they mad at me are they frustrated it's like where are you at today but giving it in such simplistic terms I stealing that from it my reminds, team I'm obsessed with I love it. that Go for it. How, it reminds me of have you done the like red red light yellow light green light no thing? what's that one we used to do this in beauty counter where it's like basically everybody just says like what color light they are and green light means like I'm here I'm ready like I'm present let's go yellow light is like I'm kind of here but I'm kind of like thinking about what I need to do where this other thing's going on red light is like I'm physically here but emotionally energetically I'm not available really but I'm, I'm physically here anyway and like we used to do that just to get a sense of like who's actually present and who's not and at least at that point you're honest you yeah. know and a lot most people and you realize most people are yellow and it's like, okay, how do we get you to be fully here and present? You know, so that it just reminds me of that too. Yeah, it was literally on walks, one-on-one walks with people on our team last week. And I was like, do you feel like you're living in alignment with your soul's purpose? Which you think would be a strange question, but nobody blinked. They just like answered right away. And it was like an overwhelming yes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that indication, it's like, okay, if that is the the energy that we all share in the office, then that's going to show up in our content. It's going to show up on our calls. It's going to show up when we do an event. It's going to show up to the community. And that's how you just kind of, it's like a, what's the thing where you drop the pebble and it ripples R- out? Ripple out. Effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you are a podcast host and you are not already part of the podcast connector, what are you waiting for? This is a totally free service for you. We know how hard it is nowadays to find really amazing guests that have something different to say. I've been hosting a show for over six years now, and I know it has gotten more and more difficult for me to find unique messages and really cool people. They're out there, but I go mostly on referral only, so I totally feel you. And this is why the Podcast Connector is amazing, because we get to know you, your show, exactly what you're looking for. And if we find a guest who is perfectly aligned, we will send them your way. There is no requirement for you to book the guest. You can just check it out, see if they're aligned, and we truly will only send you people who we think are perfect matches, so we won't be spamming you, but it is a no-effort way for you to uh, find some really incredible guests and book them if you want. So if you are a host and you are interested in potentially getting connected with incredible people, again, there is no requirement to book them. The Podcast Connector is totally free for you, and you can head to thepodcastconnector.com, apply today, and we will be in touch soon. Have there been any 
challenges for you in in managing a team? I think it was hard at first in several ways. I had never worked in an organization of that type. Like I'd worked for family businesses, you know, all through college and, and right after I was working with my dad, but I'd never been in a corporate environment. So to go from, okay, I'm in college. Now I'm on this wild startup ride with my cousin, just going around San Diego, trying to figure out how to put these puzzle pieces together to, oh, now I'm managing 10 people directly and kind of learning through that curve as you're going, I think is kind of an all-consuming experience where you don't want to put too much logistics or too much structure in prematurely because the organization doesn't need it. But when you're growing at such a fast pace, you also do have to be cognizant. How am I going to scale with that growth? So I think personally, I relied really heavily on Nick and Dylan who were kind of navigating that same movement with me, but then also advisors Mm -hmm. saying, hey, you know, when you were here, what did you do? Or my big question for advisors is what am I not currently asking that you see as an issue in the next three to six months? What happens when this things a lot of it I think is and it's always like something that's not on my radar at all which is great for the question but hey I really see a need on your team for x role and you don't have anybody that does that today but you know in six months I kind of see this is where you're going to be so you should start looking for that person now we had been doing our engineering with a firm here in San Diego and one of my advisors was every time I got on a call with him he's like you need somebody internal for tech. You need somebody internal for tech. And when we were able to make that transition happen, it took several months and it it took a time to put that together. But once we made that transition happen, it 10x what we were able to do. Just having somebody in the room, you know, with Dylan, Nick and I that could speak from that perspective consistently. So people is a big one. I think managing work and your life is a big topic that comes up a lot. We were just so heads down. And I think for a long time, trying to bring something into existence that it just took all of our time, all of our energy, all of our focus, and it's very unsustainable. So I was lucky I started really young and I didn't have all of these other responsibilities. So I was able to do that kind of in a silo for for a long time. But I think a lot of my advisors are always like, okay, how are you doing personally? (laughs) Everything good there? I'm like, yeah, we're good. Well, how do you find that balance? Better now. And I think having team members helps because something I recognized maybe a year ago is I can't be running a wellness company because I value health and wellness and because that's what I'm trying to help people bring into their lives and then not be living that myself. And I wasn't. I was, you know, getting up early. First thing I was doing, I was getting on my phone. I would be working until midnight, like not sleeping well. Wasn't working out as much as I would have liked to have been. And if I was like not doing the right kinds of workouts, doing super intense HIIT workouts or going for long runs when like I needed to be doing yoga or something much more gentle. So I think when, when I recognized that, I realized, oh, this isn't just a problem for me. I'm actually now becoming a poor like model for everybody on the team. Because if they see me online early and they see me online late, that... Even if I say, you know, I don't expect you to do that, it sets an expectation that that's what people should be doing. So recognize that. And I was like, okay, if I really want to, you know, model what I think people should be doing for their health and well-being, I need to do it myself. So it's kind of like, okay, you know, five o'clock, close your laptop. And it's super uncomfortable at first because there's always something to do. Mm-hmm. But I think realizing, you know, if I didn't get it done from nine to five, was it really that important? Or am I just doing something to be productive that I'm not even going to use in two yeah. months? So just like, I'm good with hard lines Mm -hmm. and it was like okay five o'clock done and then like now I need to fill the time with healthier things I feel like for me with with podcasting over the last over the last six years like that has been one of the biggest things that was eye-opening for me is how many how many people are not practicing what they preach and and not from like not like 
tricking people, but, you know, giving so much of themselves to their business, to their work, and then all of their personal things that they're telling everybody else they need to do to take care of themselves, like that falls to the wayside. And I think it's such a common thing with entrepreneurs. And then it, for some people, it leads to this like low level, like guilt all the time, you know, and then I think that that can be very hard for people to, to get out of. But I know for me, like I've, when, whenever I've gotten in cycles like that, I realize how much during the day I am creating things to do just to keep myself busy. And then when I'm literally like, I cannot go on my computer after this time now suddenly I realize what actually has to get done and all this other random shit I wasn't doing it didn't even need to happen I feel like you've been through that too absolutely <laughs> yeah it's all then eight o'clock at night I remember like so much stuff that has to get done yeah open back up the computer and so Sam what what are some of those things that you do use to find balance because like you said like as entrepreneurs they're selling to do it every hour of the day we could literally work 24 hours a day and still not quote get everything done and that balance is important so what are those ways that you detach from the business a little bit to give back to yourself yeah, it, it's easy and it's hard because if you think of traditional things, right? Like go to a workout class, go to your favorite restaurant. Like, oh, I actually work with all of these places. So when I get there, I'm like, oh, I could be doing content or, oh, I could, you know, chat with the owner while I'm here. So those things do work and they don't work at the same time. And then also working with friends and family. When I go out with my friends or I hang out with my family, work tends to come up too. And I realized that I was spending a lot of my time in that, in that like doing energy, right? Where I was either like working or I was with my friends or I was going to a workout class or I was going to a restaurant. If you looked at my schedule, it was but from, I scheduled my workouts. So like 5 a.m. to 10 p.m every single day and I had to learn to just like sit by myself and that be okay and just like meditate or read a book that's not a nonfiction book like read a fiction book (laughs) and that was where I really found more balance and it's because I just hadn't been doing that at all like 100% of my time I was with other people which you don't even realize until it's kind of called out to you Mm -hmm. very dramatically yeah I think that's one of the things that I have like with certain people in my life I have to explain to them if they don't if they're not entrepreneur like I'm literally talking to people people all the time all day and so then after the work is done I need time where just like everybody leaves me alone and I think a lot of people even other I have some people in my life who are entrepreneurs but most of their day is still solo and then after work then they want to be super social and like that's just too overstimulating for me and it's hard because I love being social Mm -hmm. like I extroverts recharge around Mm -hmm. other people right yeah I feel like I totally recharge around other people so it was like anytime I was feeling low on energy oh let me pick up the phone and call somebody and then I would go do something but it would just it slowly like kind of gets to you Mm -hmm. especially I realized when you do stop then it like all catches up so it's like oh I was running for like two years straight and then I stopped and then I slept for like three months I feel get to process things when you slow down because I struggle slowing down a lot and getting out of the doing energy yeah it's like booking the dinners it's going to the workout classes all the things but you know sometimes when people ask you like oh like what do you do for fun like what do you do in your quote free time (laughs) I feel like as entrepreneur I never know how to answer that because I'm just like well one I am like living my passion every day so like truly do like what I do for fun is like building my company my life is my fun exactly but it's 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 more for me like (laughs) what do I do for me and I feel Mm -hmm. like that's that's one-on-one time with friends or like a really small group like three people like just making dinner and hanging out and having good conversation literally what I do for fun getting out of the doing energy yeah <laughs> totally I, yeah I think that, that is fun because it's a it's a shift it's relaxing and I you can recharge that way I feel like I'm the friend that everybody calls when they want to do nothing <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad thing <laughs> it's not a bad thing I feel like I know when somebody's calling me it's because they're really overwhelmed and they're overworked <laughs> and they want to just like hang out and I'm like the friend that let's watch the movie let's yeah, order in it doesn't dinner. go out <laughs> 
It's like, do you want to go to like duck dive? Or? Yeah. I, no. I just, it's <laughs> like, let's just sit on the couch and watch Gossip Girl. Like yes. that's, that's what we're doing. It's so important though. Yeah. Like I think there's so much pressure on entrepreneurs to always do. And then when you're not building your business, it's connecting for your business. When it's not connecting for your business. It's coming up with more creative things for your mm-hmm. business. And there's this guilt around it. Like you go to these networking events or dinners. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I, I mean, I've tried to shift this conversation. I feel like both of you have been inspirations in shifting this conversation. I feel like Sam is the queen of dinner conversation questions, but shifting it to less about work and more about like, what are you doing for you? And I think that's so important to ask rather than like, what are you doing for your company right now? Like, how are you checking in with yourself? Are you spending time to recharge? Are you paying attention to you? I started asking this question where like you just said, you're like, oh, it's at a networking event. And then you get asked like, what's the update? And I started asking myself a question, which I guess doesn't really work when you think about it logically because the platform wouldn't exist. But I'm like, if if it was just me on an island, would this be something that I think is important? Or is it somebody in my environment that's leading me to believe this is important? Like, is it somebody asking you at a networking event? Like, oh, like, what are you doing in the event space mm-hmm. that's making you think, oh, I should be in the event space? Or did you see something on LinkedIn that was talking about, you know, a way that they've developed something for their company? You're like, oh, I should be looking at that opportunity as well. Is it a friend who did something with their business? Oh, I should consider that. Doesn't mean it's for you. And when you're on an island, then you can hear that a lot easier yeah. than you're in like an echo chamber. Totally. I was just, <laughs> I was just uh, channeling about this this morning and basically like <laughs> what was coming through is they were saying like, everybody's so obsessed right now with finding their purpose and people just like don't even understand what that means, right? Like they're going to find this destination and basically what was coming through is like the, one of the main reasons why people feel like they can't connect to that or figure that out is because they're so busy looking around at what everybody else is doing and they're just like trying on what everybody else is doing when the faster process would be to be on an island and to turn off all of your social media and not have any outside influences and then be like what do I want to do right now like what feels fun what do I feel passionate about and it's exactly what you're saying it's like what is everybody's looking outside at themselves and seeing other people who appear to be happy and then you think oh well maybe if I do that I'll be happy or you start to get jealous you're comparing yourself and then you're wasting all this time and energy doing what somebody else is doing which may or may not actually be making them happy so I feel like same concept I love this concept because it leads me to another question I feel like I get asked a lot and you probably do too like oh who are your biggest competitors what are your competitors doing I don't care like I don't look at competitors stuff I don't think there's any competitors of ours and that's like that I don't think that I don't think anyone can tell a story that we can't educate the way we can how how do you handle that do you look at any competitors are you like blinders on completely the same for me don't even think about it I'm sure there are companies that are trying to do things in the space that we are and I welcome that because I think if we truly all have the same goal of helping people get healthier then I want as many players in that space as possible I think there's a ton of opportunity especially if you look at the United States just like in a silo how many people struggle with both access to healthy food and fitness bring in as many people as you possibly can because those are big problems and we need a lot of resources to solve them in terms of what we're building I feel like the first idea was in 2015 and we're just now scratching the surface of bringing to light what that was supposed to be everybody who's joined the team has contributed you know 100 plus ideas which have been stacked on top of that which are going to be coming out in the next five to ten years right where we're just so long on what we're building that I just it doesn't even matter I hope people are successful and I hope they build 
build things that are impactful, but it won't be what we're building is kind of our philosophy of it. Well, I feel like for both of you, like there isn't anyone really. <laughs> so it works out anyway. We also don't live in the f- fear that there could be. Yeah. Like I'm the same way. I'm like, want to have more anti-acne, anti-aging skincare? Love it. Bring it to the table because it's really hard to find makeup recommendations and other things to give to people. So I, I want that space to grow. Well, that's what it's like to be a true innovator, right? Because there isn't anyone that you can look to. Like we've talked about this before. Like what is it like to build something that no one else has built? It's the whole time. It's like you are truly creating it as you go, you know? And I think there are a lot of people that would be afraid to do that or just wouldn't know how to do that, wouldn't have the courage to do that. I think for everybody here, it's like we've all kind of dealt with that. You know, it's like I don't, I haven't seen any models. And so I get to kind of pave the space. And I think that makes it more exciting, honestly. I think it also increases your like possibility of success where you're so naive. You don't know any of the challenges that you fully believe everything that you want to bring into reality, you can. And I think we've talked about that, you know, at length where it's like, if I can envision it, then it's possible. And everything else, we just need to get over. Yeah. In our path. Totally. Well, that brings me to, I mean, it's kind of opposite we were asking about before, but like there are so many things we're working on in the business. So how do you manage your mental real estate in terms of prioritizing in your business? I know for me, I got in the trap for a while. Of I was spending too much time managing and I'm like, this isn't, this isn't worth my energy. And going back to what we were saying at the beginning, it's, you wear a lot of different hats, you know, when, when there's a lot to be done and there's not a million employees. So how do you prioritize your like mental real estate and what you're focusing on? in the business? The way I problem solve or just kind of naturally think about problems is very long-term. So like looking at the the platform, we actually use a scaffold as kind of our internal structure to talk about what we want to do, where you have all of these different verticals and they need to grow together and they need to work symbiotically. So if you envision a scaffold, right, you have all your blocks, you need to move it up at the same time. So I have this like, I would say matrix in my head of, okay, this needs to happen. This needs to happen to unblock that where you have to understand where you're going, but you also have to understand what's impeding you from getting there. And then I'm just like heads down on because the vision's set or the intention for the vision is set very heads down on what the blockers are okay let's get those resolved so we can move the scaffold up together and we just kind of like go through the process that way so we're very focused i would say as an organization and that has been one of our greatest assets where you do you don't have the resources necessarily you have a small team but if everybody understands what you're trying to do and your head's down on that then i think you can accomplish 10 times what a massive well-resourced organization without clear focus or clear direction can i would agree i feel like most people just spend their time talking back and forth and nothing actually getting done (laughs) yeah i heard somewhere that it was another corporation and it would have taken them nine months to put together a campaign we put together in like four hours just because you have to get everybody in the room and schedule the meetings and make the schedule (laughs) well so for you on a personal level what do you feel like has been the biggest thing that you've learned thus far in your visor endeavor so this was actually a Keisha lesson and we went to lunch one day and i was kind of telling her you know what you were saying where like hey this is what we just you know did and now we're gonna do x and here are kind of the 10 things coming down the pipeline and she literally stopped me and was like i never want you to say anything like that again <laughs> and it was like the, the second time we hung out and i was like what and she was like 
it's she was like you honestly haven't even given yourself time to be excited about what you just accomplished because you're already worrying about these other 10 things that you're doing and she's like you're gonna do all those things she's like I don't doubt that at all like this is all gonna happen timeline's gonna play out but you're gonna look back and you're not gonna have enjoyed any of it because you were so heads down on like what you were doing next and this is probably two years ago and she told me she was like every time you do something that is new and scary in the moment she's like I want you to write it down because in a year it won't seem significant to you at all like you do those things all the time now but like for example like the first time that I went on stage and pitched visor was this massive thing like hundreds of people in the audience it was so nerve-wracking now I could probably go on stage and pitch and, and not think anything of it so like I wrote a list of those things and I still have it and I still add to it as new things come up but just kind of looking at you know what was accomplished to get here that's really fulfilling but I think the exercise was the most like important lesson that I've learned personally and professionally where it's like if you don't fully enjoy every step of the process then like why be in it at all yeah exactly as we wrap up we've started something new on the podcast called the five minute favor so you get to ask everyone that's listening right now something a favor that you need that could take five minutes it could be an introduction could be a connection of some form whatever it is someone listening could take five minutes to do you a favor what would that be oh this is fun i think our visor for work program probably so we launched that beginning of this year and basically saying hey we have this this app it allows people to stay active as a group and give back to the community earn rewards let's scale it through enterprise um, so organizations can use it as a team tool, do challenges internally, kind of reward their employees. So we're bringing companies onto that platform. If anybody you know, works in HR, has connections with companies they think would want to use Visor internally, would love to chat and, and get them set up. Amazing. Amazing. There we go. <laughs> and so how can they, if they want to do that, how should they uh, connect with your team? So if you go to the website, www.visorapp.com slash work, that'll take you to the Visor for Work page. You can just fill out the form there and then somebody from our team will reach out to, to coordinate or you can just email us directly at hello at visorapp.com. Amazing. And we'll put all the links in the show notes and they can uh, download the app on the app store. Everyone listening better download, yeah, download the it. app. It's like so easy. Yeah, you can. it's <laughs> nationwide. Like you can use it wherever. My mom's in Pittsburgh. She uses is it so no matter where you are listening download the app and do good love that awesome. well thanks for having me thanks for coming on sam thanks again for tuning in to another episode don't forget if you want to get booked on amazing podcasts or if you're a podcast host and you want to get connected with some incredible guests head over to the podcastconnector.com to learn more about our service if you enjoyed the show be sure to leave a rating and a review on itunes it truly means the world to us and extra points if you take a screenshot and tag us on social media so that we can see that you're listening thanks again for tuning in have an amazing rest of your day and we will chat with you again next episode